fight me, Brian, fight me. Nothing has inherent meaning. <laughs> it's what we give to it. That's providing there's a subject who can make an interpretation. Let's just say, thank you, God, this didn't happen, that I was killed in that car crash today. There's no, there's no uh, imagining uh, a way that that somehow is something else. Like, I, I don't exist anymore. No, no, no. I'm in not... My, I'm not saying uh, objectively bodily earthly form. No, no, I'm not saying objectively we don't we don't recognize what happened. I'm okay, now Brian went dark, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah really. It wasn't dark enough. Welcome to episode 202 of Pub Theology Live. We are back, of course, with weekly conversations on life and faith over a craft brew pint to fine wine or whatever happens to be in your glass. Catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Ogan Holder, Shannon Weston, and yours truly address and engage what's happening through a theological lens with a good brew in hand. They're yours truly like everybody you assume everybody knows what your name is, Brian? He didn't actually say his name. Did I, I forget to say my name? You did, but that's all right. <laughs> Thank you for that sterling introduction. Thank you, Brian Burkhoff. Thank you. Over to you, Ogan. <laughs> Thank you, Shannon. Whether you are a longtime listener or new to the show and you want more content, trust me, you do. <laughs> you want to become a patron because starting at $7 a month, you get access to some fascinating, engaging pre and post show banter. Like last week, we were helping Brian with his parenting issues. It was it was great. Uh, Sorry, isn't that every week we're helping Brian? With his I'm just with, I mean, with some sometimes. Issues. We, well, <laughs> most of the time we're doing the content. You know, the main body of the show. That was that was that was post show. And uh, and our uh, one of our original one of our original co-hosts uh, Tina stopped by and helped us out in the post show with Brian and his parenting issues. Uh, and now we're running a, a little bit of a special offer for you. If you sign up, any level of our Patreon scale, you sign up between now and the end of October, we will send you one of these, oh, I can do it, infamously famous pub theology pint glasses. There we go. So you want to want a pint glass as a thank you, become a patron, just $7 a month, help support the work that we do. You can head over to patreon.com slash ptlive and sign up today. This week, we'll be talking about fall changes, Lilith, space, tourism, and happiness. There is no theme there whatsoever. <laughs> no, no content. Different topics from each question. <laughs> we will find a thread. Don't worry. We will. We will find it if there was ever one. Um, let's start with you, Brian. What are you drinking today? Well, it's uh, nearly the first day of fall. It's cold and rainy here today. And I started off my day with a car accident at 7.30 in the morning. <gasps> oh, no! Everybody okay? Uh, everybody's okay, but car's being repaired. So I'm going with a New Holland uh, Poet. It's an American oatmeal stout. And, you know, as the weather turns, uh, stout just kind of can warm you on the insides. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right? <laughs> sure. Right, come on. It's a good heavy, heavy beer. It's not it, a summer beer. It'll get you through the winter up there in Michigan, you know. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, it depends on what temperature is being served. I mean, 
Ogan, what are you drinking? Well, it is the last day of summer, I think. So I am enjoying from Brookville Beer Farm, Yellow Finch Summer Ale. English style summer ale brewed with fresh cut lemons. Brookville, Maryland. There we go. All right. My last summer beer. There it is. Um, I am going with fall theme as well. Um, so I pulled out one of my fall, kind of my fall favorites, which is a union brewing company, Foxy IPA. Foxy. Um, so I, I do recommend. It is one of the few true IPAs that I like. Yeah, baby. Yeah. It's low in hops, but um, I do I do very much appreciate it here, right downtown Baltimore, um, a little bit on the north side of Baltimore City. Great brewery if you're in town. Definitely stop by. Um, so that's so. Speaking of fall, since Brian and I are going there, oh, can you get left behind in the dust? That's I'm all good with that. <laughs> Summer forever, baby. Summer forever. What's your favorite part about? fall i don't know that i have a favorite part other than other than the you know the 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 depending on where you live the edge of the 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 oppressive humidity starts Mm -hmm. to taper off Mm -hmm. but for me fall is just like the you know the foreplay of winter and i like nothing about winter so fall just reminds me of what's coming so i don't i don't yeah winter is coming Winter is coming. Just the spring, even though it's still chilly and cold in spring, it tells me summer is coming. So I get happy with spring. Fall, eh, not so much. I have learned after my time of living in New England, especially, to appreciate the change in color of the leaves. And all on um, that's that's a beautiful sight. Even though I am a touch colorblind, I still I still love it. <laughs> so it's a whole thing. <laughs> People keep telling me what I'm missing, but other than that, that's that's where I am with fall. Eh, I could take it or leave it. I think we already hit our favorite parts about fall in the pre-show, didn't we, Shannon? Um, delicious beer? Yes. No. What? <laughs> no. Uh, fall means football is back. Fall means football is back. Fall means school is back. I know that they've been in a couple of weeks, but like fall is... Um, no, I... Listen, I was reflecting earlier today on um, how the last few years I've had such an appreciation for football, um, as much as I yell at the TV for everybody to put on their mask and stop getting in each other's faces and you know all that stuff. Right. Um, besides football, I have to say, um, I love the transition. Um, I like it in spring too, but there's something about um, the outside fire pits and the you know, like hanging out with friends in fall with a, like, it's the beginning of wearing like a little bit of a long sleeve or a little bit like, you're just, you're wrapped in a blanket all the time. Like it's cozy. You grab the hoodie. Yeah. I grab the hoodie and I go outside and I, and I sit by the fire and I drink my fall beer and um, I don't know. I really just, I really love it. Um, I, I but, do, I do like the improved fashion cho- choices and options. Yes, I'll, yes. I'll give it that. Yeah, I love a good sweater, you know, no, but not the big winter sweater, right? Like just a thin, you know, whatever. I, I just, it's the fashion for me. Definitely the fashion. <laughs> <laughs> and if you know me, you know how much of a joke that is. 
Yeah. It's why we're all, it's why we're all laughing. <laughs> if I can wear sweatpants and t-shirts the rest of my life, actually a sweatpants and like a zip up hoodie for the rest of my life, I would. That's um, all you need. That's all I need. That's all I need. And I won't lie because I drank it last week. I love a pumpkin spice latte. I just do. I'm sorry. Um, oh. Like I said, they'll take away my white girl card. You're, you're hurting me there, but yeah. Gonna, gonna say, <laughs> that's the that's the epitome of whiteness for you right there. It really is. And I just, it's delicious. Um, Sometimes you got to lean in. You got to lean into it, you know. So I agree on the football, definitely. Like, and for me, as being a slightly more of a college football fan, just the thought of marching bands. leaves starting to turn it just gets the blood flowing there's just nothing like it um but also i i agree like summer is my favorite but fall has its own unique place i mean it's uh apples taste better uh the leaves are turning you got the what do you mean work. apples turn taste better they Fresh taste better apples. in fall like i want apples in fall like i don't you know like it's just part of the deal i don't That's know why. all in your mind my friend all sure, don't in ruin it Hey, that, that's where I live. So, <laughs> good point. Touche. Isn't that one square foot of real estate? You know, it's a scary, scary proposition. But you also have uh, the World Series. I mean, it's like a sports, you know, utopia. So, um, fall is good, and there's hay rides and and Halloween. I love Halloween. Yeah. So, what can yeah. you say? Okay. Yeah. And. I'll add in last but not least, it's uh, October is um, my daughter's birthday and my wife's birthday and my dad's birthday. So it's a lot of good fall birthdays too. All right. October is my favorite color. <laughs> well done. So from my favorite show right now, taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse, isn't it? If you're comfortable while doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Uh, what was the last challenge you faced and how did it go? Ooh. Currently facing the challenge of trying to like fall. That's that's <laughs> your own challenge. First of all, I have an argument to make, which is if you're um, uncomfortable by riding a horse, you're probably doing it wrong. So just putting that out there. <laughs> right. The lassoisms don't always have to make sense. No, they don't. They're just beautiful in their own right. I, I've I've been on a horse a handful of times. Never been comfortable doing it. Don't think we should be as humans be on the backs of horses. I don't think that, that should be a thing. I, I I understand it, but but I don't I don't agree with it. Um. So so I think the wisdom, if there is any in that, is mm -hmm. is that is that yeah. Challenge challenges are ideally meant for us to grow and learn from, and that's uncomfortable growing is uncomfortable learning is uncomfortable um letting go of of old beliefs and stuff in order to learn new things and embrace new things that's uncomfortable is challenges our sense of safety and all that sort of stuff so so yeah if if it's all going super smoothly it may not be a challenge after all that's what i was going to say isn't that part of the definition of a challenge is that like it's if we're comfortable, then I don't feel like it's a challenge. Maybe like, yeah, I'd be interested if other people have um, a different, like if listeners out there have, did we put this up on Facebook, this question? It is not. Um, no. Someone can throw it up there. Cause I'm, I'm really curious. I got it. I do it. I'm trying to think if there's a challenge, like I can think of that was like, oh, this is a, 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm like, oh, this is a good challenge in the sense that I'm wise enough or mature enough to know that this will be good for me in the long run. Right. But I don't know that I've ever gone into a challenge like going, yay, <laughs> growth again. Like, you know, of course I want it to be easy, but then it's not a challenge. <laughs> I think I've gotten to the point where it's not a it's not a wholehearted yay, but I quickly get to that place of oh some some good's gonna come out of this, so so let me be open. So there's more the openness than there is than there is the re reluctance. Well, let's be clear, um, like what a challenge is versus like a hardship or a tragedy, right? Like, because well, they're all challenges, different points of the right, challenge. Because I just want to, I mean, I just want to be careful of like going like even in a tragedy to get to if we move too quickly to like something good will come out of this, like we're not doing the grieving process, right? Right, so, exactly. You know, right. Like if I had lost if I had lost a leg in the accident this morning, that you know, that's like wouldn't have been like, would have been a challenge, but it wasn't something I consciously chose or invited or whatever. Right. And like Brian, right. don't worry, you have another one. Like, no, we're, <laughs> you know, it's not your left foot is in a better place. Right. It's not it, you know, to Titus back to Ted Lasso, it's not like you're a soccer player or anything. You you'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. I mean, do you do you need two legs to throw that frisbee thing that you like I, to throw? I do. Yeah, because balance, I would yeah. I mean this golf, you you need to use the lower isn't, body isn't, leverage. Isn't there a Paralympics version? There's a Paralympics version of every sport uh there probably is i i haven't seen it but there probably oh, no. is i think he'd be right with one like so you know i mean we beat this horse to death but you know for me obviously running for office was like this thing i was that a bad i was trying to work in the quote let's not talk about dead horses <laughs> for me it was deciding to run for office you know as someone who's an introvert who doesn't like to be over busy uh you know can do public speaking but i prefer once a week to five days out of the week like that was that was a challenge and i you know it was hard and how did it go well i got roundly destroyed in the final count so. yes but 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 you learned some stuff from that i did yeah right made yeah. a lot of made a lot of connections probably some good connections that yeah, gonna for sure stick with you for for a while yeah. you know so a lot of people more people now know of you it's gotta you know gotta for be better or worse Got, well, I mean, I was I, saying, now we can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now you got more. Now you got more people to listen to those talks you accidentally post in the wrong feed, right? I did run into two people I knew at the accident this morning. There was like a bunch of parents dropping their kids off from school. Like, hey, wow. Brian, did your car get hit? There you go. Exactly. I'm just here to see if people are okay. Yeah. No, I I really um, what I appreciate about this is that it it really does remind me that when I'm too comfortable is kind of not, not okay either. Right. Like if, um, it, I need to do both. And I, cause I actually was just like, what's the last challenge that I faced? And I was like, God, like name a day of the week. Like, you know, everything's been hard. Do I send my kids to school? Do I not? Do we, continue to mask, even though the mandate's back. Like, do you, oh and I know God. some, for some people, they're like, those aren't challenges. And I'm like, but it, it, it is, no, they are, they are, you know, and it feels like everything's a challenge. Um, yes. 
but I will say the big challenge, the, the challenge I am currently facing, I'm not over it yet, is um, we're back, we've been back in in-person worship for two weeks. The technology is not going smoothly. Like, and it's just really, it's really hard and it's really uncomfortable for all of us. And, and, and I'll just get away from the, like the technical part of it, you know, of what's uncomfortable for me and what I'm having to face. And that is like, I want everybody's needs to be met. So if you're in person or if you're like, so if you're not comfortable or able to be in person, I want you to have the best live stream experience you can. And it's really challenging me of like, you can't control everything. Like you have to let this go today because it's just Sunday morning. We had sound, but no video for no reason. Like everything was exactly the same. Zero reason. It just didn't work out. Don't you hate it when that happens? Like, what did we do different from last week? Nothing. We did literally nothing different. Nothing. Just not working. And I just, we had to go on, right? We had to right. go to the service. And I was like, sorry, you have sound, but you know, no video. And, and it just, that challenge, even though it's ongoing, is just reminding me how much my people pleasing, my, you know, all of these well-intentioned things, but like, ultimately I got to give it like, not, not me. Like, it's not about me and you just got to keep going. So that's, that's probably the one I'd point to right now. I think, I think you reminded me that my probably last big challenge was that decision to leave church ministry. Right. And and the rustling I did with that, and 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 to start up to create a new startup basically, and the challenges. I mean, there are no there are no strict challenges with that other than I can't wait for the income to catch up to all the great stuff I'm doing. <laughs> like right now, that Seriously. might be, that's the that's the only that's the only challenge that hasn't resolved itself yet. And but everything else I love doing. But that 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 thought of leaving church ministry called into question everything about myself right 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 am i leaving because i'm bad at this am i leaving because you know i'm uh, am i done with being a minister am i done with my denomination like all sorts of things i had to weigh and be challenged by and and come to terms with to finally get to the place of going yeah it's okay to step away it is okay to leave church it doesn't say really anything about who i am other than I'm not happy here, right? And I think a lot of both clergy and congregants, when we talk about leaving church or they go through their deconstruction or whatever, you know, they struggle with that, the the, the connection to self-worth and 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 even their 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 sense of who they are, spiritual beings, you know, they struggle with and it's called into question, then it doesn't help when other people from the church also kind of backhandedly shame them about walking away and all that sort of stuff it's it's a it's a tough place to be but this is where actually the quote kind of makes makes sense there there's I think there needs to be some sort of like internal struggle in order to get to that place of clarity about who you are and what you want for your life and and that's eventually a, you get to a good place until you know a pandemic happens and we start all over again <laughs> Right. Or whatever, I, whatever the thing I is. I would just add to this that like, we are very self-aware, conscientious people. And take and that back. We're, and we're still sitting here going, this is really hard. And like, lots of things make us uncomfortable and, you know, whatever else. So I, 
I just well, self-awareness and mindfulness doesn't mean that things challenging don't happen. It just means we know better. We think we know better. And often we do know better than to act from the, the pain that arises from but the that's challenge. That's my point. Yeah. Right? We still- that's, my point is like self-awareness isn't going to stop challenges from happening in your life. Yeah. In fact, it might bring some along a oh, lot definitely. faster, <laughs> you know, because you have it. And so I just, you know, I, I think it's important just to name that of, of how did it go? Sometimes good, sometimes not, you know, sometimes we're, we're, fo- we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. This people pleasing lesson is something I've had to learn over and over and over again in my life. It just manifests in different ways. And I get to it faster. I get to the awareness faster yes. over time, but it doesn't stop being a challenge, you know, that kind of I don't know. It, I stopped a long time ago asking the question, like, when will I be done with this? Like, nope, not going away. Yeah. It's, it's part of my DNA now. <laughs> and and you, you could respond to this question by saying, what isn't a challenge right now? <laughs> and that's legitimate. Um, that's legitimate. And I, I spent some time last week um, just to take a moment to pause. And this isn't like everything I've been going through is very hard. Children, ministry, all of that. Um, I spent some time with my dear friend who is a chaplain in a uh, children's hospital in DC and she is done. She is overworked. She is exhausted. She Mm. is terrorized. Like I, I look at this and, and we talk about these things being challenges. And, and I think it's also important to point out when like there is, it's not just burnout, but it's just, this has been too much, you know, um, and, and that keep going in the face of danger, never give up. Like sometimes you need to give it up. Sometimes you need to say like, I, I can't, I, I really do need a week off, even though it feels like I can't take one, you know, right. and that week may not be enough. And I need to face those realities as it comes across, you know, yeah. so. It's not like I, you're I, in the process of burning out. It's like past tense, no, burn, all burned up. No, I've been on fire for 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, you know, I've put it out so many times and it just keeps coming back and it doesn't look like it's going to stop anytime soon. You know, I, I, I just, I look at this and I'm like, you know, there, <laughs> there are things where it's like, no, you're doing it wrong. We need to stop, you know, <laughs> like it's okay. It's okay. Well, considering every word of the Bible to be accurate and sacred, oh, that was a whole thing. Um, ancient Jew- Jewish commentators needed a midrash or story to explain the disparity in the creation narratives of Genesis 1 and 2. God creates woman twice, once with man um, and once from man or Adam's rib. So there must have been two women. The Bible means the second names the second woman Eve. Lilith was identified as the first in order to complete the story. Why is the mythology about Lilith so little known in the church? Um, as we go into this, I would like to give a shout out to the final season of Lucifer on Netflix. <laughs> Listen, y'all, that'll answer all your theology questions right there. That show, show has some fascinating theology. There's a whole story arc with Eve. There's even some with Lilith as well. Uh, there you go. Got you. Got to watch that. If y'all not watching that show, you got to get past the bad writing. Okay, it's not greatly well written, and it is sort of like this crime sort of series. But the but the theology is 
fascinating. I'm telling you. Um, so, so from from what little I know, uh, you know, Lilith was yes the first woman, and apparently she was not a help meet. She was she was a strong, outspoken. And apparently it might have been too much for Adam, who was like, can I get it over? That's 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 my understanding. And you said the Bible, I just looked this up. The Bible does have a mention to Lilith. Yeah, and right. Isaiah. One of the prophets, right? Yeah. Isaiah, yeah, 34. Isaiah 34. 14. Wildcats shall meet with hyenas. Goat demons shall call to each other. There too Lilith shall repose and find a place to rest. And even though they don't like specifically say that's first woman, you know that's that's the illusion that's being uh made there but but that's that's my and i think we don't hear about this a lot in the bible because the rest of the bible is pretty much about patriarchy right and here's this here's this woman that is represented anything but and ties to also there's a lot of ties to her and and paganism is my understanding right so, so that too my understanding is a little bit different than the way the question is worded. Um, so Lilith was actually used as a slur um, to me when I was young and I never, I couldn't quite figure it out. And then later I figured it out. And so Lilith supposedly had red hair. That was like the connection. And like Judith supposedly had red hair. Like those are the, you know, redheaded signs wow. of the demons. Wow. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. This the, is real. The wild child. So, some people exactly. some people just don't like redheads. That's well, and wild. I was like all the all the stereotypical redheaded thing. Like I was all of them. So I it wasn't so Genesis one is really like a poem, right? It's a poem to creation or to you know to God. Right. Um my understanding was that um, Lilith was created from the clay in Genesis 2 at the same time as Adam. So they like were created equals and and Lilith used her power for demonic reasons and Adam was good natured or whatever. And so Adam was lonely in his good nature and whatever. So Lilith needed to go because she was horrible and demonic. And so Eve was created from his side. So they would be these partners in good. That's my understanding of Lilith. Um, and yes, that she was, she was, she was too much. She was going to overrule Adam. She was yeah. going to, you know, all that. Uh, but really like the historical context of that is, they were talking about like they were getting rid of goddess worship during like that's why this story comes about they were getting rid of worshiping female gods um and that there is one god and that god is male so so the story the lilith storyline that they play out in the lucifer series um comes of the comes of the, the talmud and it says she refuses to be subservient to Adam after after and didn't go back to the Garden of Eden and then she and the archangel Samael hooked up Samael is Lucifer angel right. of light right. so so there was so the, so after that that's that's why she's also referred to as the mother of demons uh be, be, because of that so it's a it's a whole thing but again it's how do we to, to Shannon's point 
we're getting rid of goddess worship we're making women subservient you know pushing the patriarchy how do we write all of these really strong lead-in female characters out of the script because even in the current scripts even these the quote-unquote strong women are still subservient right when you look at like ruth uh still still very subservient in so many ways even though she's held up as this this paragon of of strong woman in the bible yeah uh, from a uh, website biblicalarchaeology.org uh they note that lilith sort of predated um hebrew understandings with the babylonians and the hittites and even egyptians and um, her origins lie in babylonian demonology uh, where amulets and incantations were used to counter uh the sinister powers of this winged spirit Lilith who preyed on pregnant women and infants. <laughs> so there's another um, thing. And then they say she makes a solitary appearance in the Bible as a wilderness demon shunned by the prophet Isaiah, which you referenced, but then gets brought in by these Jewish um, commentators who are trying to figure out why are there two creation stories? Does that mean there were two women created? Because uh, the one wasn't named and where does she go? And one appears to as well is. Yeah, they're trying to reconcile Genesis 1 of in the image of God, we created them. Yeah, male and male female. Female, we created them. So in the second Bible story, when God, like with God's hands, forms Adam from the clay with this very tangible, you know, story. Well, no, we it can't be one then the other because it already in said the first story they're they're yeah. created together so we have to make that match you know well uh well uh listener tim with the quote of the day to go along with that looking <laughs> for consistency in the bible is like mining for vibranium well and i just and i just preached genesis one because i do the narrative lectionary and you know it, i don't understand why it doesn't just make sense to me that like we really have no idea how the world was created two stories were put in back to back to say hey guys we have no idea yeah. but here's two really beautiful imaginings of of how this happened like why is that not okay Just yeah i love it okay. <laughs> i don't need i don't need to, to respond to tim i don't need consistent i'm not looking for uh consistency and to me some of the differentiation is where the richness and, and beauty is yeah, that's just the three of us. Go talk to evangelicals and well, those folks. It's like they, they will it. they will make those two completely different stories be consistent, and it's Seamless. fascinating to watch them do it. Seamless. Oh my god, we rewatched we rewatched The Sopranos recently in preparation for um, the Kings of Newark or whatever it's called um, uh -huh. coming up. The, the origin uh, story. The origin story, and. Um, <laughs> Tony's in the hospital at one point and this evangelical pastor comes in and he's explaining how um, dinosaurs and people lived at the same time oh, no. and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. I totally forgot about that scene and I'm laughing hysterically and also like weeping for, you know, <laughs> like um, what people believe, but no, they're the just quickly, like the origins of how people got red hair was that, um, oh, is that uh, Lilith had sex with the devil and redheaded children were born. And that wow. is how, um, which may have been Lucifer even, like, right, like mm -hmm. had sex with this demon. Um, and that's, that's how redheads got upon the earth. Wow. Um, 
Yeah, that's the origin stories of redheads, if you want to know. So basically, you're descended from angels. Uh-huh. Fallen ones. Higher power? Well, Still angels. Still angels. I, we do have magic powers. They are usually anger and frustration. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently, the earliest surviving mention of Lilith's name appears in Gilgamesh, you know, the Sumerian ancient epic mm-hmm. poem uh, dating back to around 2000 uh bc you mean, so. you, you mean you mean the bible source material yeah, yeah otherwise known as uh, that's pretty cool though yeah yeah and then you know the sarah mclaughlin and the indigo girls and all them revived it you know 30 years ago with little fair and nice um, nice fair <laughs> hey, i would just i went to many a little fair you will not be surprised to hey know. hey speaking of <laughs> speaking of which on brand Re- right. re- related are we are we going to marches on october 2nd anybody going to any of the women's marches i have a funeral that day. okay yes yeah, same i have a funeral that day too all right i guess i will go represent us yes please i'm gonna wear the pub theology shirt i'm think so i i'm thinking of the the sign i'm gonna have um doing my part to reduce unwanted pregnancies i got a vasectomy <laughs> what do you think there you go it's a choice uh, just say bring your sticker bring 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 the sticker <laughs> why we why we why we put it why we put in all the all the 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 heat and all the stuff on women for unwanted pregnancies well i mean you know oh no i totally we, um, we my favorite, can i just very quickly side note my favorite oh. sign that i ever saw um at a march so this was my very first women's march in 2005 um was not every ejaculation should have a name. Nice. Wow. <laughs> did you come up with that or did also, you Google that? No, somebody had it, somebody no, had it on a sign. It. Oh, you saw was, it. Yeah, yeah, got it. Yeah. And I was Begin- like, oh my God, that's so good. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh uh you guys know Amber Ruffin. Um she is she's comedian. She was once uh she she still is on the Seth Meyers' show, but she now she now has her own show, and I think she actually won an Emmy the other night. Her show did, but on her uh, one of her recent shows, she does a whole thing about about um, Bannon ejaculations done to the and the song is to the tune of Rainbow Connection. <laughs> it's on YouTube. You got to look it up. It is on point and hilarious all at once. Just, just ban ejaculations. So I did I before we move off of this topic, I I want before we move off the Lilith topic, I I am a Christian minister who believes in the, you know, Bible and the gospel and preaches that as such. But I think it's still important when we get to that question of like, why is this not taught in the church? Mm-hmm. It's important to understand that in so many ways they were squashing bulls, right? That when, that the writers of the Bible were trying, as they were trying to make God monotheistic, one one God and this God in particular, this God of Abraham, while they were trying to do that, they were, um, I mean, so much, like there's so much of particularly the um, Hebrew Bible that is stamping down of other gods, right? Mm-hmm. over and over and over again it's not just goddesses it's over and over again of other gods yep. but in the process very much did set up a patriarchal model of of religion and of god and that was intentional you know yep. 
Um, at the same time, we can sit here and say, well, then we shouldn't be teaching this in our um, churches. We shouldn't be, you know, whatever. And yet it's important to know our history and our understanding. And that there was a time, I actually did learn this in my Hebrew Bible class. Like there was a time um, that women were worshiped because they believed like, because I love you guys, but men are stupid and science wasn't around. I, and they, I, I'm not going to fight you on it. <laughs> and they believed that women got women controlled when they got pregnant and what sex of the baby they had. Hmm. Right. That, that, that it was, because honestly, if you don't know any science whatsoever, it does kind of seem very random. Like sometimes you have sex and it happens. And sometimes you don't have, you know, like it's, it's, it can, and it's weeks after and at this certain time. And now we understand all that scientifically, but then we didn't get it. So it, to me, it's a logical conclusion that they would have drawn that like women just decide these things, you know, over and over again. Um, but that they were trying to, and, and therefore women were worshiped and women were revered in a way that, you know, men were not, even though men were right stronger, but the most important thing at the time was procreation right. and, and having more children and children dying and women dying and, you know, everything else. So of course, women were worshiped in that way, if that's your belief. And, and we can find a happy medium. We don't have to go all the way to one or the other, you know, we <laughs> Nobody's asking us to worship women. Like we're just trying to get back to a more equal place. That's not too much to ask in my personal opinion, but you know, whatever. Yeah. So in the church, we didn't continue the tradition of throwing Lilith under the bus. We just ignored her. We just ignored her completely. Yeah. yeah. If we don't talk about her, she ceases to exist. Right. So I'm going to jump to number five. And is there a biblical or spiritual foundation for pursuing happiness? Why do the things we often imagine will provide happiness disappoint? John Barrymore said, happiness often sneaks in through a door you didn't know you left open. How have you experienced this? I don't know what that means. I got to think of that one for a bit. <laughs> that quote. That quote I, I think the quote is how I understood the quote is that Oftentimes we think we know what's going to provide happiness and we try mm -hmm. to go after it directly and mm -hmm. often our grasping for happiness sort of leaves us disappointed or disillusioned, but then when we're not paying attention, something we didn't actively seek after sort of arrives uh, in a way that, you know, just we didn't go after it, it just showed up and it's like, oh, there's happiness if I was paying gotcha. attention. Okay, I like, I like, I like the Jesus model. Be clear about who you are. Mm. Love your neighbor. Take a lot of breaks by yourself. He went to the desert. Is this a three-point sermon? And a poem. A poem is coming. <laughs> might might as well be. Take 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 frequent like breaks. Yeah. You know, take a few boat trips. You know, dude was dude was either walking on the water or in a boat. Hey. Or as I like to say, I like to say to people, Jesus could walk in water, but he was in boats a lot. Why is that? Right? <laughs> yeah. He didn't want to show off. He was humble. You know, anyways. By the way, my sermon the other day had three poems and a point, so I may have done it wrong. <laughs> I like that better. Killer. I like that better. And 
surround yourself with good friends, even if they don't always understand you. Ooh, good. I love it. That's my that's my that's my Jesus formula for happiness. Excellent. So I very much do not think there is a biblical or spiritual foundation for happiness because I do not think that happiness is a mm. consistent state of being. Mm. I think that possibly, so here's where I come down on this. Um, and we can argue about terms and definitions, but here's, I think that a state of being maybe the best for me, maybe contentment. And that happiness is a, a feeling that comes in the state of contentment as well as sadness in the state of content. Like, but I can be content with my life and still experience a multitude of feelings that, that the idea of a consistent state of happiness or people that I meet that are consistently happy, I worry about them, right? Like <laughs> facts. No, I, so, I love it. I, I think that we don't spend enough time focusing on it's okay to like actually contentment is the goal that um, like I look at the life of Abraham and at the end, you know, here's this man in his tent with the four sides welcoming you, whichever side. And when the angels come, he just pulls up a chair and we sit out on our lawn and we have a conversation. I don't know whether you're an angel or not. Like that's a man who's content with his life. You know what I mean? But I wouldn't necessarily ever call a biblical figure happy. And especially with our current definitions of happiness. Does that, does any of that make sense? It does. It does. Especially with the Abraham, because I mean, like things, things went all over the place for that dude. <laughs> all over the place. But he was settled into his life with God, right? And things went right and things went very wrong and things went even worse. Yeah. And and yet he he had that stability right. of that relationship and there was there was contentment there. And I think and I think the part about why do the things we often imagine will provide happiness disappoint is because there's there's nothing outside of you that's gonna bring you that sense of inner contentment and inner and inner peace that's that's all inner spiritual work um, um shameless shameless plug for my upcoming workshop called the five spiritual love languages find it at projectsanctus.com um but but the whole idea is we have to do the inner spiritual work to shannon's point to come to that place of being content with ourselves, loving ourselves, being at peace with ourselves. It is it is a lifelong work, even even when we feel we've gotten there. It's 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 not like we get there and we're done. It's it's like a maintenance thing each and each and every day, right? And and what we often um think is gonna happen is that when we get ourselves in certain situations with external things that that will take care of those inner issues, that those will uh, take care of the pain of those inner wounds that we have. And nothing outside of ourselves is gonna do that because you can get all those outside things and still feel unworthy, still feel you have no value, still not love yourself, still feel, still have abandonment triggers, like all that stuff is still gonna be there regardless of what you put in, in your life. So, so nothing outside of yourself is gonna is gonna do that and people don't often realize this 
until after they've bought into the capitalist American dream of more is better, you know, grind, pull yourself up, get the house with the white picket fence and the fence car and all that sort of stuff. And then you're still unhappy. And I think that's it, though. Unsatisfied. You like we may split hairs over. That's where I said, like the definition, what I'm defining as contentment, you may actually define as happiness. Um, but I, I, I use the word fulfillment. Same right. same concept. But, but happy happy is not a word that I throw around a, a lot. And we have this saying, God wants us to be happy. I'm like, mm. happy are those who, right? Right. And blah, 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 and the Lord. And like, I'm not, happiness is very real. Um, I just think it's a fleeting feeling. It's more like ephemeral. A, yeah. For um, sure. I, I, I agree with both of you as much as I would love to disagree. Um, that, that, yeah. There aren't really spiritual practices that lead to happiness like directly. It's almost like a byproduct that you can't like it's circumstantial. As you said, it's fleeting, but there are practices that can lead to contentment, to satisfaction, to, to inner peace. And when we lay that foundation, like I often find when I'm in a place of deep contentment, happiness kind of arrives, but it's not because I sought happiness. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I came to give you life and give it in fullness, you know, like, um, like there's a, there's a, by the way, that was Jesus, John 10, 10, you know, like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, right down I, the Jesus. But like, there's, um, so I'll give an example. I mean, there's, I, I'll give kind of two examples. Like one is that, um, you know, I'm very happy in my marriage and there are ups and there are downs and there are arguments and there are times where we're completely on the same page and there are frustrations that are not, I'm still happy in my marriage, but really what I am is content in the mm -hmm. in terms of like, there is a good solid foundation. There is a rhythm. There is, you know, all of those things. Um, I do not feel happy 100% of the time. I feel grateful hundred percent of the time, even when we're arguing, you know, that I have a partner that we can do this and et cetera, et cetera. You know, like yeah. that's where I'm redefining it. And that's why the I think I like, sorry. well, I was going to say, that's why I think I like the quote that happiness kind of sneaks in. Like we can do all these other things to sort of, you know, uh, create uh, a life that, that reflects our values and, and the kind of person we want to be. And happiness is sort of like a, a nice byproduct sometimes. Yeah. It's not the goal. It's the byproduct. Yes. And let's take that pursuit of habit, right? Like every American has the right to the pursuit um, of happiness. Yeah. And we've been on this treadmill for a very long time and none of us are happy, you know, like. And for, and, and for some of us, that pursuit has a lot of thrown in obstacles. Exactly. That others, others pursuit don't have. Yeah, your incline is much higher than the rest. And as you've both noted, we're, we're given all these myths through um, advertising that, you know, capitalism and buying things are what leads to happiness. Like so many um, commercials, ads, what have you, uh, portray these products as people suddenly are happy. And, the, you know, there's, there's sort of a like when, when you imagine that's what happiness is, you often get there and you're like, oh. This isn't as great as I thought, and my life is still my life. So, right. So, right. Our, our 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 listeners are going dark on us. Oh, they don't <laughs> oh, like no. Kevin. No. Kevin. Kevin. Kevin says happiness is exhausting and requires one to be blind to all that is going on around us. Mm -hmm. Tim, the promise of happiness is a lie. 
Wow. How many churches sell it to people? Think purity culture or boomer churches. So maybe not. I mean, they're realistic. Maybe maybe dark was a little harsh. I apologize. Do churches sell happiness? I, some do. Some do. Is that like the Joel Austin sort of? Prosperity gospel is all about happiness, yeah. right? Prosperity gospel is about that. But also even even the you you come to Jesus. Jesus is your Jesus right. is your happiness. Jesus is your joy. Like you 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 accept Jesus, like you're good. Yeah. That's yeah. that's that's the source of your happiness. So 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 yes, yeah. yeah, some some churches do. I I aspire to be Did you guys hear the story of the of the saddleback? Tim's like saddleback. Let's let's not be calling people out. Um the uh the the story of the Chinese farmer, right? Did you guys do you guys know the story? This is it's a very zen story. So the there was this Chinese farmer and one day his and he was poor and he's got the son and one horse that he's using to plow and the horse runs off and all the neighbors are like oh that's horrible and he's like maybe and then the next day the horse comes back with like five other wild horses so now he's got six horses and they're like that's wonderful and he says mm, maybe and then the next day the son's trying to ride one of the wild horses and tame it falls off breaks his leg and they're like oh my god that's horrible and he's like maybe and then the next day the chinese army comes by to conscript soldiers and they don't take their son because he's got the broken leg and they're like oh my god that's wonderful he's like mm, maybe right so it's, it's this it's this whole thing of of mean and making we are mean and making machines mm. and we want to assign meaning to everything that happens in our lives and that meaning is mostly by default based on our past experiences and our past traumas and so on we don't assign meaning for the imagine joy we often assign meaning from the from the past pain and the past hurt and when we assign the meaning it's that's the place from which we make our choices so so if we don't get stuck in what a thing might mean i always say to folks the meaning of anything we is what we give to it nothing has inherent meaning so so fight me brian fight me nothing has inherent meaning <laughs> it's what we give to it because because you can put 10 people in a room a thing will happen and you'll come out with 10 different interpretations meanings and impacts on life that's providing there's a subject who can make an interpretation let's just say uh thank you god this didn't happen that i was killed in that car crash today there's no there's no uh imagining uh a way that that somehow is something else like i i don't exist anymore no 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 in, i'm in not my, I'm not saying uh, objective bodily earthly form. No, no, I'm not saying objectively we don't we don't recognize what happened. I'm Okay, now Brian went dark, but yeah. <laughs> yeah really. It wasn't dark enough. So I had to just you just dive us right in there. <laughs> but 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 then, you know, for all of us who know you and love you, it's like, well, wh what does the death of Brian mean for us? Right? And and we can we are all gonna assign different meanings to that. For some people, that would be an unimaginable tragedy. For some people, it'll be like like relief, prayers are answered. Where's that Zoom password for pub theology? Right, exactly, exactly, exactly. So so would say what an answer to prayer. You know, all those all those people you pissed off on the course of your political campaign, right? So so again, that's what I mean by meaning. Sure. We, ass we assign the meaning to a thing. Fair enough. I was just trying to find a, you know. No, of course, of course. And and that's and that's where I think we get disconnected from contentment, and that's yeah. why we get we get lost on this kind of pursuit on for 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 happiness. If we if we do our best again that Zen approach. Refrain from assigning meaning. Accept 
what what is and then ask ourselves what is what is what is this triggering in me what is what is this bringing up for me that i can get to a place of even loving myself more as a result of it like that i think leads to deeper contentment so we got to watch how we assign meaning to things that's my soapbox i'm sticking to it no i don't and i very much don't disagree with you i just and and again i i wonder i really do like i don't know what happiness meant in 1776 you know like i don't know what happiness you lift was. you lift to 28 <laughs> well right because that i mean what would I mean, when we talk about a, if we were going to talk about a biblical foundation for pursuing like what would even that mean yeah. let's just take the time and life of jesus what would it like jesus wasn't pursuing happiness like if he felt moments of happiness they they presented themselves because he was open in that moment yeah. to receiving it. Um, there's a study, Brene Brown did a study about happiness and and that, and and actually it was um, like a thousand percent linked to joy, to joy, to gratitude. Mm -hmm. That people who live from a place of gratitude, right? Like Brian of like, I'm so grateful, like, this car accident was as simple as it was. And yeah, it's got some headaches, but like that will actually lead you much more um, to a place of happiness or joy than it will otherwise. Um, if we, yeah, just I mean, I, I could have been killed. Like, honestly, it was a serious wreck and I was thankfully just a small part of it, but like, yeah, it's certainly a perspective uh, shifter. Right. And again, like, we have choices in those to walk around being afraid, which may be natural, you know, like those feelings just may arise or to take that posture of gratitude of like, like, like Ogan said earlier, like it could have been worse, you know, let's like, yes, this is a headache, but thank you. I'm slightly annoyed that my insurance deductible is as high as it is. Well, that's on you, baby. But you know, no, no. <laughs> shots fired. Also living in Michigan, a no fault state. I was not at fault, but I'm gonna have to pay for my repairs. You're gonna have to pay for it. Oh, that sucks. But yeah. Anyway. And again, no, but gratitude. Like, hey, at least I have insurance. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to get tried about it. I really don't. I don't okay. want to get tried about it. I just um to me, this is one of those like contentment to me is linked to gratitude, which is what leaves like now. The more we talk about it, the more I think this quote makes sense is what leaves mm -hmm. the door open for happiness, for those feelings, what I would clarify is feelings of happiness, those moments of happiness, you know. And um, you string enough moments of happiness together, you kind of feel good about life in yourself. Right. <laughs> for sure. So one last question, uh, is happiness a mood? Like, you mean like an emotion, a feeling? I don't know. Like in when I, when, I mean, is a mood I wouldn't conflate with an emotion, but they're driven. Moods are driven by emotion, but they're not. Emotion. So, so when I hear the word happy, I go with feeling and emotion. Like I feel sad, I feel happy. I never, I never look at the happiness as a state of being, which is I think the whole discussion we've been having. Contentment is a state of being. Fulfillment is a state of being, mm. from which you can get feelings of happiness. Um, that that spring from that, but to Shannon's point again, well said. You can live a you can you can be in that state of being of contentment, fulfillment, 
and stuff still happens that in in those moments make you feel sad make you feel angry the, the, those are not those are not a, you know cancel each other out both 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 can happen like you are you are i'm assuming overall in a good space about your life but this accident today was not a great moment right and 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 you're angry about the state of you know the insurance in your of of you know in a no fault state and and if it was the other driver's fault like like those emotions come up in the moment sure. but that doesn't mean you are you know uncontent or unfulfilled in 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 your life generally so For sure. so i use the word happiness if what you mean by mood is emotion that's where i use the word yeah and i i would just add on to that that it's um it's the <laughs> i say this a lot we're complex people that can have multiple emotions at the same time yes right so you can be angry at the about the insurance you can be sad that it happened and you can be grateful and happy even that you're fine those and are you, and those are all true and all true things and all of that can be happening at the same time. And all of those feelings can arise. And one may like present itself in a moment or the other, but they're all happening. Yeah. Um, you know, where I, where I come down is, you know, I work a lot with people who are, I mean, I think, you know, we, let's look at this the opposite way. As much as I don't think happiness is necessarily a consistent mood, unhappiness can be, right? And, and, and that's a weird thing to say, but it's, it's because, you know, you can be consistently unhappy. Um, and, and I think that for me, that what I've seen over and over again, is that comes from a lack of, it's not even a lack of gratitude. It's the lack of the, the posture of gratitude, right? Like the place of, um, and again, I'm not trying to be tried of like constantly looking on the bright side. Like I'm, I'm not asking right. you to constantly look on the bright side, but let's just look at things the way that they are. And, um, you know, there are people out there that are seem to be cursed in some way. And you're just like, God, why can't they catch a break? You know? And, and you're like, of course they're unhappy. That makes perfect sense to me that they would be unhappy. Like I would be unhappy too. Um, and yet somehow they come out and be like, you know what, I'm okay. Things are fine. Like, I'm going to keep going, you know, whatever. And you're like, what, what is that about? And it comes back to that place of there's something deeper going on than these fleeting emotions, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for providing uh, a therapy session for me to work through how I'm doing after the events of the day. This show's all about you, man. This show's, I, I'm realizing that more and more. How many seasons did it really take me to finally no. land and stop fighting it? This but, is really you know, all about you. <laughs> I think this is a really important thing to talk about, especially in terms of the church, because you should not seek church for a place of happiness. If community uh, and spirituality happens to bring a place of contentment and connection, and that brings joy and happiness, great. But like, it's not there to provide that for you. Like we're not providing a spiritual good of happiness, right? We're not right. sending you out with a soup can full of happy. Like if you are, if you're happy while you're doing church, you're probably doing it wrong. You should clap your hands. head lasso. Head lasso. <laughs> I was just gonna say. Oh yeah, well done on both on both parts. Full, full circle. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done. Well. Man, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. You can show your love for the show by becoming a supporter on Patreon. 
can get access to pre and post show banter. And as Ogan noted earlier, if you jump on before the end of October, get your free uh, Pub Theology Live pint glass. Well, it's not free because you signed up to be a patron, but it's at a discounted price. So get that pint glass, sign up to be a patron. It's very close to free. Worst salesman ever. Jeez. What? They're getting a free glass. They're not paying more. They're not paying anything for the glass. You're paying nothing for the glass. You're being a patron for the show. Thank you. And of course, uh, visit patreon.com slash PT Live to get started. A big thank you to our current patrons. You can listen anytime to the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can watch us live uh, Tuesdays, Facebook, around 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you'd like to... Uh, create or join a Pub Theology conversation near you, visit pubtheology.com for more. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. I said free, and then I'm like, yeah, but they're paying something to join the Patreon, so it's technically not free. They're not paying for the glass. They're paying. It was me trying to do math, and I shouldn't do math while I'm talking. Don't do math after car wrecks. They're they're. I don't think you should do math in general. Mm-hmm.